Hello, this is Howard Kane, and I was delighted to be asked again this year to host the UNESCO Biosphere Isle of Man Awards for 2022. This wonderful event highlights some of the incredible work which is going on around the Isle of Man to help maintain and improve our nation biosphere status and highlight some of the myriad of ways we can all alter our lives and working practices to live in an efficient, greener and sustainable way. There were so many wonderful ideas, schemes and projects outlined in the shortlists. They're all award winners in my eyes. But of course, the panel had to choose winners in each of the categories which are organised in line with the five E's of UNESCO Biosphere Isle of Man's local strategy working together for a sustainable future. That is economy, education, energy, enjoyment and engagement and last but by no means least, environment. Winners were chosen by a panel of judges from government and the private and third sectors and the beautiful handcrafted awards were presented at a ceremony at the Manx Museum by the Lieutenant Governor, His Excellency Lieutenant General Sir John Lorimer, KCB DSO MBE and Lady Lorimer MBE. Some weeks after the ceremony, we assembled the award winners along with the political representative from DEFA with responsibility for Biosphere around a table to chat about the awards their schemes, the biosphere, sustainable living and the future. Here they all are, and I'll let them introduce themselves. Enjoy and live green. My name is David Bellamy. I work for Manx Wildlife Trust as the Agri-Environment Officer. Uh, we nominated the entire Manx farming community for the Environment Award, which they won. And that is to reflect that in the last year um, they, they've worked tirelessly uh, to assist the government in the rollout of the new agri-environment scheme. Hi, I'm uh, Jason Buckley. I'm here representing Zurich on the Isle of Man. Um, we won the Energy Award, um, the Biosphere Awards, um, for quite a significant installation for solar. So. Hi, uh, Dr Michelle Hayward. I'm the political representative in the Department of Environment, Food and Agriculture with responsibility for Biosphere, amongst other things. So I got to go to the awards ceremony so I could read out all of the nominations. <laughs> so that it's the nearest I'm ever going to get to an Oscar-like feeling, I think. Wendy Shimin, I'm from the One World Centre and uh, we were fortunate enough to win the award for education. I'm uh, Rod Brown and I'm from Capital International and I'm part of our Conscious Capital Forum that um, instructs the business on, on how we want to operate for the future and we um, won the Economy Award. Lovely. So award winners all, as I say, and perhaps we should start this by just thinking and get the biosphere in itself. Again, I think every time we do this and we mention that actually on the day itself and when the awards, what actually is the biosphere? What are we talking about? Biosphere, Isle of Man, what do we mean by that? It's bandied around a lot. I think all of us here have a reasonable understanding. I'm not convinced necessarily all the rest of the world or the rest of the Isle of Man does. Michelle, perhaps start with you. Where would you come from if someone said to you, oh, Biosphere Isle of Man, what's that? Well, I almost feels sometimes like it's it's a badge and then it appears on all the bottoms of emails and everything like that. Uh, the UNESCO Biosphere designation, we, we proudly say we're the only whole nation to have it. But I think it varies depending on where you look at. Biospheres are designated for a variety of, of, of kind of reasons. And here it's certainly it's about not just the environment, but it's also about the culture and the social uh, elements and uh, as well as the economic elements to it. So really it's about, for the Isle of Man, it's about that long-term sustainable man and nature living together. Um, so for us, I think it's quite special. When you look at other UNESCO biosphere locations, they tend to be done 
purely for, a, say, an, uh, an ecological reason, whereas here it's a much more wider ranging uh, catch. And this has sort of grown out of the energy awards, I think, previously. So it's it sort of, there had been an award scheme prior to this. The biosphere was something which sort of drew strands together, I guess. Yeah, so the Department for Enterprise used to run the energy awards um, and and they were okay, but actually this goes beyond that. So we, we get into the, the education and the engagement and the enjoyment. Um, and so missed a couple of years for COVID, but these awards were really, uh, you know, a, a chance to champion all of the businesses and the individuals that are doing so much towards sort of sustainable practice. And the Isle of Man, I think, very proud that Feather in its cap, it's the only one with nation status, I think, for Biosphere. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I've been away last week down in Westminster and, and it's come up a number of times. We're starting to get known for the fact that we are almost seen as a kind of uh, a forerunner in, in how to manage the, you know, that, that whole balance between our society and our people and our economies and, and the natural environment. Um, so I've had extensive discussions about fisheries and, the, and things like that, but it, it's 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 becoming known as a, as a badge, and I, I think we should wear it with pride. So, coming from the government point of view, what do you think or what do you hope the biosphere project actually delivers? Is it something that over a period of time you would hope that it will change the way we live and work on the Isle of Man en masse? Is it more of an educational tool to try and get people to think more sustainably about how we live, working with nature, working with environment, working with jobs which are actually sustainable, eating sustainably and such like? A mixture of all these. How do you actually view it? I think it's I think it's all of those, but I think I was reflecting on it. Biosphere almost was the kind of the, the forerunner of trying to get stuff that was effectively a green agenda into the, the public consciousness. And, and now we're all catching up to some extent. And, you know, we've known about climate change for 30 odd years. It's, it's nothing new. Politicians and, and governments have been slow to react because the effects are going to be so far in the future. And, and, you know, we're sat here in a cost of living crisis now. And it's, it's hard to worry about where the sea level is going to be in 15 years time. But we have to because the action has to be taken now. And I think Biosphere almost came in as that kind of easy to access. How do we set that that green sustainable agenda? And then it's come through now. It's kind of caught up and we're seeing corporations and companies catch up with that, with their you know sort of environment, social responsibilities that everyone's now trying to, to work towards the same goals. And so it's almost like the, the it's coalesced with the society. So I think it's a really good driving uh, mechanism to, to get people involved and to celebrate the awards was, was just fantastic because there is so much going on. Um, and I know I went to the very first one of the awards uh, back in 2018 and it was a much smaller audience. There were less entrants in each category. And you're seeing that kind of because people hadn't really got going. And now we have. And, and I think there's an extra focus. The cost of living crisis has almost showed us how expensive our energy is. But that energy has been expensive environmentally for decades that's that's essentially climate change so i think now it, it's it's really impressive I, i'm so pleased to see so many entrants there and so many people engaging and we know that you know for, for all the ones that managed to write their own paperwork or get mm. somebody to write the paperwork for them yeah. to enter there were there are loads of other companies who are also taking that same journey and making those same steps uh, um, you're right. I mean, I'm always, uh, to use a technical phrase, gobsmacked by the, the sheer amount of the entries coming in and the quality of the entries. And obviously we're winners round the table here today. Someone's got to win, but you look at a lot of them and think, wow, there's some really wonderful schemes here. 
You mentioned corporations and companies, uh, for that matter, charities. We have a representative of all three round the table. So if I throw it open to, to everyone else here. So obviously you're all invested in the Biosphere project, Biosphere Isle of Man. What was the, what was the buy-in for any of you? Start with anyone like right, David. It will just, for, I guess, for me to explain what I think the the biosphere is. I, for me, it's a mindset. Uh, so we all know the Isle of Man is a very special place, and it's an appropriate label to encapsulate that. But I think it's important that in all the decisions we make um, on the island, that we we just think holistically about what what impacts that that, that has uh, on the island uh, and its biosphere as a whole. Uh, and, and certainly in terms of um, agriculture, which is, of course, what won the Environment Award, agriculture covers 72% of the Isle of Man, so a huge, a huge area. And, and when we look at the climate crisis we face and the biodiversity crisis, um, also the cost of living crisis and issues with food security, then if we're not working with farmers, then we'll, we'll never achieve any of those national goals that, that we have on all of those fronts. Jason? You're coming from a, obviously from a, from Zurich International, a massive international company. What was it for Zurich for Biosphere Isle of Man that was that was attractive? I think from a Zurich point of view, since 2014, um, there's been a huge, huge drive on the sort of green agenda, green agenda on the sustainability sort of playing field. Uh, I mean, they've been offsetting; the, they've been planting trees for many, many years, um, and and now we're moving into managing utilities and things like that to reduce CO2 um, uh, and all of that sort of stuff. But but from a biosphere point of view, I can't add anything new to what has just been said. I mean, it is a, it's a holistic and positive way of thinking of looking after a closed-loop sort of society on the Isle of Man. You know, it's, it's not just about um, sequestering CO2, it's about making sure that the green areas are, are maximised, that, you know, we're looking at green energy we're looking at energy uh, crisis I mean, and there's a lot of people i've been talking to that to, in order to reduce their gas they've started to burn wood and coal and you know so it's a much bigger subject than just you know one little thing mm-hmm. but um zurich's been invested in in the isle of man for over 40 years now uh, and the biosphere is a, a huge huge part of that we've bio, we partnered with the biosphere for a long time um, and from a corporate point of view, Zurich was the first actually international insurance company to sign up to the global 1.5 Celsius program. So they're, they're hugely invested in in the Isle of Man and the biosphere. And there's more to come from Zurich over the, over the coming years as well. Wendy, I suppose One World Centre has been, you, you could say, sort of banging, banging a sustainability drum for, for a very long time. Yeah, and I guess for us, the great thing about biosphere is that it's very broad so it does allow anyone in our society to play a role uh, whether you're a business a charity an individual a key thing for us I guess is the uh, promotion of the sustainable development goals uh, which for those people who don't know those are the 17 goals that were set by the UN uh, to be achieved by 2030 uh, all around poverty injustice and the environment So the biosphere is kind of at the hub of that. Uh, We use the Sustainable Development Goals as a sort of framework for all the educational work we do. Um, uh, And it's a marvellous vehicle. I mean, I guess maybe that's that's the term, isn't it? It's it's a great vehicle for doing good things, sustainable things, uh, whether it's within your company, whether it's across the island. And the other aspect from us, I guess, is the global one. 
we're all about global learning and understanding our place in the world, how we're all interconnected and interdependent. And obviously there are biospheres around the world, so it's a great opportunity to see what else is going on and link up with other biospheres as well. I think one of those sustainable development goals is around education and sharing good practice, isn't it? Certainly Which is, is where the awards are so important because it was a, a real chance to highlight and you know, there were a, a, a large audience there to see it. But then things like this follow up podcast and, and things like that to, to actually highlight the good stuff and, and to meet that education role within the sustainable goals is really important. Uh, and roads, I suppose that there's again we've been touching on there the sustainability when it comes to to the environment, uh, to actually sort of living and working here, but also I think with Capital International we're talking about sort of sustainability and also people at the same time thinking about growing the economy. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, first of all, from the biosphere point of view, I think people have really struggled to engage with with, with data and numbers and facts and, and figures that people just. Can, can separate themselves from. I think giving an actual, uh, an, an image and a branding to to the island, it's helped to engage people further. Um, you can be more passionate because it's more visual than, you know, we have to sit hit a certain level of um, carbon or or temperature reduction. People can uh, remove themselves from that, but seeing the whole nation as uh, an an aspiring an inspiring island and culture i think we can really engage with that particularly with uh, with younger people but i think it's really important that you know it's it's led from government corporations and individuals themselves because you need all three to work together to be able to um to, to keep going forward in terms of uh, you know the economy we need funding for that we need we need people in jobs we need to be able to um create those jobs sustainably and and maintain them uh, for the future at capital you know we we invest in certain product lines that encourage money to be spent uh, you know to be held and invested in sustainable uh, products and um, securities across the uh, different ranges of um, kind of following the SDGs themselves and focus on the most important ones that investors are looking for future sustainable growth from. Now we're all winners here, I say, with the exception of me, all winners around the table. But what did you think? Because we mentioned again and touched on, uh, as we were chatting there, the, the quality of the entries. Did you, did other people feel the same as me? I just sort of saw all these other entries coming in when they were, when the lists were, were read out. I think, Michelle, you read them all out. I thought, wow, you know, I, there's so many of these things going on seemingly behind the scenes you never hear of. Do you, think, do you think we make enough noise about the amount of good work that people are actually doing behind the scenes at, until you get some sort of ceremony like the biospheres you never seem to hear of i think you do you get some of it from so uh, especially for the the companies or organizations that are biosphere partners uh, there's there's quite regular sort of social media updates and and the the team there are very good at trying to to pull those stories out but i i agree with you you know you sit there in the in the in the auditorium and 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 I had to read all those lists out <laughs> and, and it just goes on and on. And I was thinking, I, I want to go and meet each one of these. I want to go and talk to them about what they're doing. And I want to, to sort of see it in person because it's really exciting stuff. And you're right, the sheer scale of it is, is overwhelming. And, and as I said earlier, I've, I've seen that grow as well. And that's a really, really positive sign that I, you know, I take a lot of heart from is that for a long time, you know, the organisations like Greenpeace and stuff like that were almost fringe organisations. And actually a lot of, of that sort of fringe thinking is mainstream. It's becoming, like David said, it's becoming something that just gets considered as part of your mindset. Um, and, and seeing that kind of change, 
that that's a kind of hope for the future moment, isn't it? It is. It is. Anyone else? Anyone else blown away like we were? They sort of thought, wow. That- Albeit you're all worthy winners, of course, but thinking the, the quality of the actual entries seemed, seemed very high. I think it was incredible. There, there was entries there that I'd, I wouldn't... Uh, there was a, one young lady that um, was doing an awful lot with food. And, I, had, you know, in restaurants, I had no idea that that sort of work was being done. I mean, I think from my point of view, because we're doing so much at Zurich and I'm so focused on what we're trying to do, sometimes... It, I think it could be easy to miss out on some of the other, the good things that are being done. And I think some of the bigger names certainly are out there in the press and stuff like that. But there's an awful lot of good stuff happening at much lower levels that maybe we don't hear so much about. I think what's um, really important is the emails we actually get from the biosphere. Um, it highlights all the good work that all the partners are doing. And actually we can um, essentially use some of those ideas to improve our um, business operations. I've thought actually when the emails come through, I was like, yeah, but maybe we just need to say, and, and if you want to talk more about this project and just kind of link people back in, because it's almost like completing that loop on the education, isn't it? It's because I read some of them that, oh, like, oh, how have they done that? How have they managed to, to make that work? You know, and, and you want to kind of find out more almost. That's but, a project actually that we're looking at at the moment is creating some kind of probably online hub where everybody whether you're a business or you're an individual an organisation, can put down what, what you're doing, how it meets the sustainable development goals uh, so that other people can learn and we can share that more widely. I really think there's a need for that. Right. We're going to go a little bit and hear about the individual awards then because, like I said, everyone's an award winner. We'll start, I'll start with, a, with a person closest to me, as it happens with Roads from Capital International. The economy, you, you touched on a little bit about what was going on there. And in a way, I think... You think when it comes to sort of farming and the environment uh, or perhaps with things like uh, Zurich with the, the solar panels or uh, Pippa, who sadly we just mentioned there couldn't be with us today, Pippa Lavelle from uh, Versa, working with restaurants and sustainable food and getting people to think about the provenance of food. But with the economy, I guess in a way you could sort of argue it's it's the sort of, the most sort of amorphous element of this because it's, it's very easy to think about, yes, working with wildlife, working with farms, things we can see, things we can taste and eat. But again, as you say, it's, it's only going to work if the economy can grow. And we have to do this sustainably, which makes it perhaps a little bit harder to get that message out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think we, we start our journey um, kind of... We, we first saw the biosphere um, early on because our chairman's quite interested in, in, in nature. He's um, always had bee, bee farms and we've had big partnerships with the Woodland Trust, etc. Um, so it started a small committee at, at, at first and... We kind of we try to uh, structure our decisions based on looking at stuff like the SDGs and the WEF, and that kind of helps us dictate wh- where we want our forum to go and where we can try and push the business t- to, to move forward. And that's kind of uh, encouraged our more um, sustainable in- investing, and we're actively encouraging our investors through uh, investment profilers to to go down that route. Um, we find like. Because it's sustainable, obviously, long-term gain is 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 more likely as 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 these companies are run sustainably. You, your money held is going to be more sustainable as well. So you're not the market's not as 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 up and down. You've got to focus on long-term investment there. But actually, it's the whole business that we're interested in. We've won on the economy, but we're operating in a way that is completely holistic to the company. We, we want um, our employees to act a certain way. Um, but that's a lot from education. We're trying to help. Um, 
but we're we're doing things like uh, charity days to make sure people are getting out in nature. It's good for mental health. It's it's good to get a break from the office, um, but also with the uh, kind of crisis at the moment from from the living crisis, we're uh, you know we're helping our our staff in a environmental way. So we're pushing out bike schemes. We're doing free bus travel um, along with the government's uh, three month trial and uh, electric car schemes make it more financially viable for for employees to to go in that route. So it's very much, as you say, holistic for you. It's not just about the actual investment programmes or thinking about the sort of clients. It's also the staff as well working here on the island. Yeah, absolutely. As part of that, we've been focusing on our our output as well as our input. So we've been measuring our carbon emissions for the last four years now and We've used that to strategize as well, but the benefits from reducing our carbon is also helping save money for our staff as well. So I think it's sometimes it's hard to motivate people to focus on a to align together. But if there's financial reward and savings, uh, you can kind of get to your final journey t- together. And so the company's conscious capital program, which I think was obviously highlighted in the in the award for this year, we should say as well, actually, I think you won an award last year as well. If, if memory we says, did it, yes. it, was, it was the economy again. Yeah. And, and actually, in, in per, in part of um, the, the pushing the agenda of the biosphere, I think it, it helps with the bigger companies because, you know, we've got a great marketing department. They're very vocal about what we're doing at Capital. And I think that encourages other companies, particularly financial corporations, to also get involved. And so the, the conscious capital program, so this is basically, again, from the sort of client point of view, this is taking clients who are investing and then what taking them down routes which are sort of ethical investments, investments which are not going to be damaging, not just here on the Isle of Man, obviously, but looking at a global scale. We, um, we kind of reinvented our, our Fusion ESG product a couple of years ago. Um, it's essentially a thematic investing. So we're looking at the SDG goals and, and investing based on those industries. That, Just remind us what SDG is. That's the uh, Sustainable Development Goals. So it's the seventeen. Is it um, different? Um, different goals, and you know, for us, that's we're, we're focusing mostly on on sustainable agriculture, um, uh, water loss prevention, green green finance, um, circular economy, uh, that kind of stuff. So um, the the, concentra- uh, the the focus is on the the long term sustainable growth of the the investments. Wendy, One World Centre, again, no stranger to the uh, biosphere, one for education. Is that the most important aspect, you think, for many? Is it getting people, to, just educating people to actually appreciate what we're talking about, appreciate what we've got here on, on, the, on the Isle of Man and indeed in the world and think, you know, we can't afford to just carry on trashing it? Well, I think education is where it all starts. Uh, there's not much you can do about a problem if you don't know about it or you don't have an understanding of it. So education is absolutely crucial. So and um, when I talk about education, I'm not just talking about young people. That's a really important part of it. But there's a broader education as well. So all of us in, as individuals or as businesses, organisations, uh, there's, a, there's a level of education we all need. Talk us a little bit about the One World Charity Challenge. One World Charity Challenge is um, one of our long-term projects um, that, Challenges Year 12 students, so that's um, lower sixth for old school people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I need that, I need that. <laughs> um, to pick a charity working um, overseas in a, a less developed country and to 
present on it, basically, but looking at how they meet the sustainable development goals, uh, as well as how they impact positively the life of other people. And that's probably one aspect I'd like to sort of emphasise about the education work that we do. It's all very well going in and telling people about these dreadful global problems, but you have to go in with a level of positivity as well uh, and sort of point people towards action, positive action that they can take. So Charity Challenge is, um, is, is more about focusing on uh, overseas development, uh, but very much linked to sustainable development uh, and just basically making the world a better, fairer and more sustainable place for everybody, not just here on the Isle of Man, but everywhere. And I suppose, again, that is part of the whole thing, isn't it? We're talking Biosphere Isle of Man here, but this has to play in, in, into a global stage. It's not... Obviously, we can't exist in our own little universe floating in the Irish Sea. We've got to think about our part to play in the, in the sort of the whole globe, I guess. Well, yeah, you mentioned earlier on the COP27 has started today. So at the moment, I'm going out around secondary schools running mock COP27s, uh, where we're getting students to represent the uh, perspectives and priorities of different countries, uh, which is a really interesting uh, experience. Uh, so uh, some students, you know, are landed with countries like China or Russia <laughs> um, uh, and they have to represent their interests. And we have other students representing countries like Bangladesh and Marshall Islands. And that's normally uh, a surprise to somebody because they've never heard of the Marshall Islands. But they're a very, it's a very small country that's only two metres above uh, the ocean. So uh, it's getting people to understand all the, why it's so difficult to progress climate change action because all these countries have different priorities and generally those who've contributed less to emissions are suffering the worst. That's a bit of a broad brush stroke, but that's generally the position. Um, so it's all about finding engaging ways of educating as well. So uh, we actually run it as a little conference. They have little country flags and little name tags and things. Uh, and we run it as a mini cop uh, conference so it's it's finding things like that that will uh, challenge what people think uh, or actually just open a new perspective to them because they've never really thought about well what's going to happen to the Marshall Islands because nobody knew. It seems to me I think when talking to sort of children or students or the sort of generations behind us they seem to me at least to be more environmentally aware than I ever was sort of growing up. Do you think that they are taking on board this message now and really being much more concerned about what how we're going to live going forward, how we're going to treat the planet, how we're actually going to live in a sustainable fashion. Is that something you think is getting through? Because clearly if it's not getting through to the generations behind us, then then we are lost. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, there's definitely an awareness, um, a, a growing awareness of uh, the problems that we face and what are we going to do about it. I think there's also a little bit of possibly resentment that, well, we can't expect them to solve it all because you know they, they didn't create the mess. Um, I, I, one thing that we can see is um, an understanding of things like fair trade. So we've been talking about fair trade now for 15, 16 years. Uh, and it's very interesting that the children we talk to, they understand about you know, people being paid fairly and also all the sustainable work that fair trade does. Um, and quite often I would talk to adults about fair trade. You know, do you buy fair trade tea, coffee, whatever? And they say, oh, no, but my, my, my son has told me about it and my daughter has told me about it. So, uh, you know, the message is coming up from the students rather than down from the parents in a, in a lot of cases. Moving up to you, Jason, with, with, with Zurich and an amazing array of uh, solar panels there. Was that... 
Is this part of sort of Zurich's overall global program to sort of look at these sort of sustainable methods and think of, as you're doing here with generating so much electricity, collecting the rainwater and such like? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so in recent years, we've, we've obviously, I mentioned, we've signed up to the 1.5 degree global projects and we've created our own uh, sustainability leadership council, which is um, made up of um, CEOs from across the globe. Um, we have the, our uh, carbon fund, which we're quite lucky to have created um, more recently, um, which various business units across the globe can apply to in order to carry forward these sustainability projects. Um, so it's very much a global push. And uh, Mario, who's our group CEO, he's the green agenda and, and sustainability is in every paragraph he writes. You know, it, it, um, there's a huge, huge drive towards it. But more locally, we needed to make sure that our footprint, Zurich Isle of Man, is, is doing everything that we possibly can to reduce CO2, to um, offset where we can. And it's not just about renewable energy for us, but um, it's also about um, saving water. So we, this last year we saved 150,000 litres of water just by displacing water in toilet systems. So there's lots you can do, but just going back to the solar panels, we, we, we knew that um, we needed to do something. The, uh, our building's 30,000 square foot, so it produces a significant amount of CO2 from the electricity that it, that it uses. So we decided to um, to look at solar, and it's a, a 540 panel, 206 kilowatt system. So over a course of a year, that's going to provide us with around about 200, well, about 70 percent, if you like, of all of our electricity requirement. So, but that's just the first step. Um, I mean, it's great from a financial point of view. We're saving lots of money that we were that we weren't. However. It's one of the stipulations from our carbon fund that that money isn't a saving. It, it's ring-fenced, so that money will be used going forwards in the years coming to do more and more solar, um, more solar, or we're actually next year looking at wind turbines for the roof and, and how we can reduce the um, sort of electricity consumption even more. So we're looking at light harvesting. We're reducing the amount of lighting units within the office. Um, so we're, we're taking um, light meter readings to make sure that the lux levels aren't too high. And that has a, a knock-on effect from a sustainability angle, because sustainability is not just about green energy and recycling anymore. It's about your workforce, it's about well-being, um, uh, and that sort of stuff. So um, where you can reduce light levels mm -hmm. might have a positive knock-on effect you know, for people that might be suffering with eye strain and Surely. things like so, that. So, so. For, for Zurich, it's the same as, as uh, Rhodes was saying with the capital. It's it's obviously at a corporate and a, at a global level, but also on a, a much more local and personal level as well. Very much so. I mean, like I say, the solar array, is, as big as, and as impressive as it looks, um, is only a small step in, in a sustainability direction, if you like. Um, I, I was chatting to David earlier, and we're, we're, we're looking at, working with the Wildlife Trust because we've created a new garden. So we're, we're looking at supporting hedgehogs and butterflies and bees and small birds and, and things like that. So we're, we're planting the correct sort of fruit bushes and, uh, and, and trees to support that sort of element as well. And we'll be putting learning boards up so we can invite primary school children in. So the sustainability project is, is much, much bigger than just um, renewable energy, really. Uh, and David, you're here slightly different to everyone else, as you say, representing 
the winners of the Manx Farming Community, all of the Manx Farming Community together, working in partnership with the Manx Wildlife Trust, working on the environment. And I suppose, in a way, again, that's one of the most direct things we see. You know, we all go out and enjoy the wonderful Manx countryside and such like, but this is something which is much more tangible, I suppose, for people to, to understand. Is it part of these schemes as well, just as, as Jason was mentioning there, working with companies, actually working in partnership with not just farmers, but companies around the Isle of Man that makes a difference? So, so certainly um, we want to work with uh, everyone and as many people as possible to, to achieve our strategic goals, which is essentially nature's recovery on the Isle of Man and engaging people better with nature. Um, in, in terms of linking farms with corporates, uh, I think that's on the cards and we'll, we'll see that increasingly in the years to come. We're not there yet, but certainly in terms of offsetting, I think uh, the agricultural community will, will play a major role. And it's interesting looking at the wording of the Climate Change Act 2021 here on the island that any offsetting for uh, the Isle of Man has to be done on the Isle of Man. Uh, so there's going to be huge opportunities uh, to, to come uh, in, in the coming years. It, it's really interesting. I guess one of the things that Biosphere does is, is it's meant to be linking all these different areas that people work in and, and the economy has been mentioned. Of course, here on, on the island, um, the agricultural sector uh, it is now quite a, a, a generally small part of the economy, but has these landscape scale impacts and uh, that, that we can see but i think it's it's fair to say for for farmers is they can only really factor nature into their farming operations uh, when they're profitable and the the the, the more um, financially sustainable they are the more land they can put over for nature or farm in a, in a sustainable way um, and it's nice that now there is this fund the the isle of man's agri environment scheme has got an annual budget of 2 million pounds to support and reward farmers who who are able to to look after nature better uh, on their farm and a million of that that came in last year is new money for the farming industry and one of the things we saw last year is of 160 farms you know that's incredible 160 farms in the first year of a new scheme engaged with it and of those 160 137 a, a great proportion were financially better off in the government support they received uh, last year than they had been in the previous year and that's despite the general area payment for farmers going down um, to to give money over to the agri-environment scheme so certainly if if they engage with us and and uh, uh, one of the things we do is we go out to farms and give them all the advice, not just on, on the scheme and the ins and outs. And there's 41 different initiatives within that scheme. Uh, but we also tell them about the habitats and species uh, present present on their farm and some ways they could maybe tweak this or tweak that and, and have a, a, a big impact. But I hope that the farming industry are seeing now that, that the environment can be a legitimate part of their business plan. The agri-environment scheme itself then, is this, so the, the Max Wildlife Trust is a conduit, as it were, working, so you have the government on one side, you've got the farmers at the other side, Max Wildlife Trust in the middle, which is actually pulling the strands together, actually getting farmers to think about how they can farm more sustainably at the same time, clearly, as, uh, as having a good bottom line. That's correct. So it's a government-owned and designed scheme, uh, and actually the, the farming support community, as in here on the Isle of Man government, um, and others, of course, were part of uh, the, the recipients of, of the award. Uh, so it's government-run, but Manx Wildlife Trust have been contracted to do all the on-farm delivery. Uh, so we provide advice and support, and then we also uh, make sure if anybody wants to do habitat improvements, whether that's put in a new wetland or create a new area of woodland, that, that it's not going to actually have any ecological harm for something that's already there of importance. And then we do all the following up, making sure um, that that works are being done to the required standards.
Can you see 160 farms uh, businesses uh, participating already? Is is the aim? I presume the aim is to grow that. Do you think that's feasible? Yeah, um, I, I don't have the, all the figures yet because people have got to the end of the financial year uh, to to apply for things. But I, I can easily say this year will far exceed the 160 farms. And certainly, I've done just shy of 300 farm visits in uh, just just about 18 months now. Uh, so so. It, there was a bit of apprehension, I think it's fair to say, at the start, especially because the, the area payment went down. Um, so there was a bit of concern there. But I think people have realised now that, that, that this is the, the way forward and that there's plenty of money available for them. So you think there is more more of a buy-in than you're, you're sensing? Definitely. And I, I, I think it's, it's fair that farmers on the Isle of Man can see this is the way that industries uh, in other neighbouring jurisdictions have, have been going for quite a long time. So I think this scheme is here. It's, it's here to stay. And if anything, I hope it will grow in the future. Uh, we did mention uh, Versa as well, uh, Michelle, and uh, we're hoping that uh, Pippa Lavelle would be here from Versa. And uh, it touched on before, I think you mentioned it, Jason, the food element of these things, and that Pippa, again, has been championing this for a long time at a restaurant uh, down in Versa, this whole idea of, I guess, provenance and, and sustainable eating. Yeah, and I've known Pippa for years because she obviously didn't start out with her own restaurant. She was she was down at Foraging Vintners for a while doing mm-hmm. the, the food down there. And uh, she's... A, a, like a, a force of nature. Yeah, whirlwind. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, her whole ethos comes from the fact that you, you really have to live the, this this experience. You, you know, so things like the, the eating more sustainably and thinking about where your food has come from, and and she runs foraging workshops and all sorts of things. And and the restaurant is you know, very successful, small footprint ever-changing menu because she works with the seasons she works with what's available and and she does have a real passion for promoting better choices for all of us she is uh, as you say uh, a force of nature in many ways she lives and breathes the whole concept i think of, of biodiversity and sustainability and there's won many other awards i think uh, 100 most influential women in hospitality award in 2022 and uh, we're just sorry that she couldn't be with us here today just thinking again, the, the word economy and sort of finance, economy, money comes up all the time. I'll throw this one open for for anyone to sort of comment on. In order for these sort of schemes to work, and for order for people to buy more into the concept of sustainability, uh, biodiversity, the whole concept of the biosphere, have we got about thinking about being sort of economically positive, or do you think is there a time where you think you know what? Sometimes you've got to bite the bullet and actually do something which might be slightly painful financially in order for for the right thing to happen. I think it's probably a bit of both, uh, and it's it's been mentioned already. Sometimes the issues in terms of sustainability is you have to kind of bite the bullet now, but it, the, the gains are long term. So certainly, anything we do now to uh, alleviate the climate like the climate crisis, we might not see the benefit of that for decades to come. I think it's been helped recently, and the energy crisis has started focusing people. So if you look at things like you know, the, the plan to insulate homes, now we could have done this decades ago we could have insulated homes everyone would have had marginally lower energy bills but energy has been relatively cheap for ages suddenly faced with a cost of living crisis we're now moving to put this fabric first approach in and, and say well actually we need to not just insulate our homes we need to be moving to the low energy light bulbs finally and you remember that coming through and you know it was it was an eu directive wasn't it we were all going to swap off for filament light bulbs and the number of complaints nobody likes change but it long term that's where we need to be heading and i think you were right earlier when you said about it, it's the, the money helps focus people and and very often as much as i'd love for us to all be altruistic and and lovely and and look to the future the money helps focus mm. people's ideas i think also the you know the the initial investment is going to be quite vast but actually mm. you can 
reduce that over time. Um, I think some people need the encouragement, but actually it becomes habit and, and eventually we're able to do it without the government intervention necessarily or, or, or corporations running it as much. It just, it, it runs with a the theme of um, in your individual uh, aspects in life. And we have seen a generational shift, haven't we? If you look at, at climate change and, and, and who engages, you know, who thinks it's a serious problem and who thinks we need... There's a clear age differential. And you were saying about younger people understanding fair trade more and, and being more champions for that. Mm. I think they genuinely get it. And I find myself wanting to apologise to young people because it was it was my generation, it's my parents' generation who really made a mess of things. And, and we're the, the ones left trying to, to sort it out, but it's their future that we're trying to sort out. And, and you know, I've, I feel like we, we kind of owe it to them to, to go with what their priorities are. And it, it's difficult because they're not the ones that come out and vote necessarily. Um, and so you're seeing this sort of almost disconnect between where your voting population is and, and, and those whose future is, is so impacted. And do you th- see that with the, the young people then, Wendy, when you're going around the schools as you do, is it a case of, are, are we, do you think, helping to inspire them with schemes like the, the Biosphere Awards? I certainly hope so. I know they had a, a Biosphere Education Week at the end of the last year and lots of schools got involved in doing all sorts of different projects. Um, so, I mean, yeah, Biosphere is definitely something we need to make the most of uh, in terms of how we deliver education and, and, and link to it and um, get as much as we can out of it. Everyone's committed to the biosphere here. Are we doing enough, do you think, fast enough to bring more people on board or is there more we could and should be doing? It's almost the reason I came into politics was frustration because you know, I, I was at university 30-odd years ago and we knew climate change was a thing. We knew it was real. And it doesn't matter how much the oil companies and the gas companies have tried to muddy the waters and create confusion. We've known that that was a driving force and we knew then that as environments shifted it would put enormous pressure on the native flora and fauna in those in those environments to actually just survive because the conditions will move outside of of where they can exist and one of my driving things was how slow politicians move and so declaring a climate change emergency was a really really important first step but that has really really good targets in it for keeping us going mm-hmm. and keeping that momentum going and however hard it is and and believe me my inbox is full of people who will object to the idea that climate change is even real and happening and in some ways we have to just move past those people and we have to actually push on because it's too important not to does anyone else still come across that in, in, in any sphere, whether in a corporate's free or whether in uh, going around to the, the farmers or, like I said, within corporates? Do we still come across people who just don't buy it at all and are basically are, uh, I suppose you could say, climate change deniers? And by dint of that, I guess you would say they don't buy into the whole concept of sustainable living. It's a case of nothing wrong as we're living now. It's all just a big scare story. Is that still something that's common? I, I think it depends who you ask. But something I found really interesting in my job, uh, the average age of farmers on the Isle of Man is, is uh, quite high. And the older the farmer I speak to, the more change that they can see and remember. So a farmer who's in their late 70s or 80s uh, will remember uh, curlew and lapwing in every field and corncrake in the, in the hay meadows. Uh, but they also are now telling me about more subtle changes and they'll say things like, you know, that, that, that little ditch has never, ever run dry before and it has for the last uh, three years. And that's um, 
being seen more, more commonly now. Uh, the younger farmers perhaps um, have, haven't been around long enough to, to notice those changes, so, so it, it can be perhaps more difficult for, for the, the younger generation in that respect. That's interesting. I thought it might have been the other way around. I thought perhaps the older generation of farmers might be a case, ah, it's nothing we've always done it this way, there's no problem. And the younger generation coming through might buy into it more, but, but in your experience it's perhaps the other way around a little bit. Yeah, and I guess another... Um, Perhaps uh, darkly comical uh, part is the the older farmers can remember government support schemes from the 50s to rip out hedgerows and take away uh, groups of trees. And now they're they're often getting paid to put these things back in exactly as uh, where they were a few uh, decades ago. So it's all swings and roundabouts, I guess. It is. And and interesting, you're mentioning there about sort of corncrakes and lapwings. I remember John Kenyuk, who used to be the farming correspondent here for years, uh, talking about being woken up as a child by the corncrakes uh, when he was on a summer's evening, if he had his window open, it was a lovely evening, he said the corncrakes would be so noisy they'd wake him up. And now I think we barely register one on the Alman, do we? That's it, they, they drove you mad when they were here and now they're gone, uh, everyone, everyone misses them. But interestingly, we did have one corncrake turned up uh, this breeding season in the north of the island and called for three days. So that was probably a bird of the um, Hebridean pop- uh, population. They migrate from uh, the west of Scotland to Africa uh, and it probably dropped short, found some suitable habitat on the Isle of Man. So it goes to show that if we get things right here, then, then they'll come back. Within the corporates, uh, Jason, again, within, say, sort of Zurich, where you're working there, do you, do you find the vast majority of staff, obviously here on the Alaman in the first instance, do they buy into the whole concept of, of the biosphere and sustainable working and living? Absolutely. It's part of Zurich's values, you know. Um, everybody within the building is very pro. Um, I have to be careful on purchasing anything plastic or anything like that you know so it's all i will be pulled pulled up by everybody if i'm if i'm not driving our sustainability agenda forward so it's really good to see that that everybody is bought in but it but again i'm asked questions from various different people one of them was only the other day was you know do i feel that um the climate change is just a natural cycle of the planet We've not had an ice age for ages, blah, blah, blah. And it's just, I think we're past all of that now. I think you only have to look at some of the weather patterns across the globe, the flooding, the droughts, the fires, all of that sort of stuff. I think it's pretty apparent that something pretty wrong is going on with the environment. And I think everybody has a responsibility to do their bit. Zurich is certainly, I'm very pro-Zurich. It's really refreshing to see a corporate and the other guys around the table as well, you know, really driving these sort of agendas forward. We just want to do as much as we can, as quickly as we can. But one thing I think we we need, as a society, we need to get away from what is, like Michelle said, it's we need to speed up a little bit. Um, I think there's an awful lot of times where you can say, well, this is what we need to do. However, it's very expensive. And I think we need to understand when is it not too expensive. I think there's a tipping point. And um, and we need to be very, very aware of that. And we we saw in the um, the recent um, sustainability conference at the Commons Hotel, the Faroe Islands have done remarkable amounts of work on renewable energy. I think they're going to be one hundred percent renewable pretty much by the end of this year. That's not sort of cheap, you know. But um, payback for that sort of investment will come down. We did the uh, uh, from a financial aspect. We did. Um, our project, it took about 14 months to put it together. Um, and from the original business plan, it was a 10.2-year payback for the solar installation. And we're seeing that with the cost of living crisis come down by about three years. So timing was good, mm-hmm. but 
it's worth making that investment now to, to reap the gains in the future rather than waiting, I think. Same for Capital International Roads. Do you is there a sort of a big buy-in at the same sentiment among staff? Well, we were just talking about there about potentially um, people still saying that you know it's a natural occurrence for climate change, and I th think I'd say to anyone that still says that is it doesn't matter. We still have the ability to slow it down um, and, and to make uh, positive changes to at least reduce the impact. It's it's such a big responsibility from corporations. Um, to move in that direction. That's why we've, you know, we signed up to the UNPRI, which is our, our, our commitment to investing responsibly, etc. But actually, sometimes you have to enforce the change because not everyone's going to move in that direction. Even something as simple as our recycling schemes, we did some uh, auditing basically on our wastage and we noticed that 70% of our waste was recyclable. Uh, so we took away desk bins, we put more recycling units out, worked with the creamery, etc., to, to put the milk cartons in. And actually we see that greatly reduce. Now, sometimes people need an additional push, regardless of whether they're agreeing with the agenda or not. Some people just need something a little bit more. We do get stuck in our own ways slightly, so it, it does need all of us to, to push each other along the way. So casting forward then... Um... You mentioned tipping point there, uh, Jason. Um, does does anyone feel we've we've passed the tipping point? Uh, have we have we left it too late and doing too little too late? Or do you think, as Rose was suggesting there, well, look, it's better to do something sooner rather than nothing later? I think there's I think there's there's still time. Um, we're not all doomed, um, so I think there's. But like Rose said, it doesn't really matter. We we should be doing this anyway. Um, it's best practice, and it's a. We, we know that releasing lots of CO2 into the atmosphere isn't a good thing. Mm -hmm. So we, we, we should be driving that forward. But no, I don't think it's too late. I think there's plenty we can do. It just needs that, that, that speed and that investment. See, I think we're on that balance. I think there are some tipping points now that we, we've clearly lost the battle on. We will lose glacial ice in, in, in the continent of Africa. And you know, we will see things that we will never return to in our lifetime i think we we're just on the cusp of if we can act fast enough now we can stop the really really harmful bits and it's it's recognizing the urgency of that situation i think it's important i think we need to stop focusing on the, the two kind of pillars that we use of being profitability and economic growth in the short term you know it, i read a lot now that in, in terms of accounting we should be focused on a triple bottom line being um profit people and and planet and I think unless corporations don't go in that direction, the short-term profitability will always be uh, focused on and it doesn't align with planet and long-term growth and profitability will not happen unless you focus on people and planet. That applies to governments too, doesn't it? Because we focus on GDP. That's how we yeah. measure what an economy is yeah. doing. And it's, it's, it's just too old-fashioned mm. and it doesn't capture what we're actually doing you know, on, a, on a planetary basis. It, it's, it's an old measure that really doesn't work for us. And that focus continually on GDP is it, it's so outdated now. It, it needs to be binned off and governments have got to be really brave and say, actually, it's not about whether I invest in wind turbines now and, and just the energy supply. But if I don't do that, how much am I now spending on flood defences and how much am I spending on sending out the fire brigade to pump out pieces was basements when the tide comes in and you know how much are households having to spend to adapt to that and we've got to start looking in that bigger longer term uh, picture than than we have been in the last few years 
It's all about setting priorities, isn't it? What what are the real priorities? For too long, we've success has been money mm-hmm. and growth. Um, actually, what is success? And to a degree, what are governments here for? They're to look after the well-being of the people they represent. So, you know, we we have to shift from this focus on more and more money, more and more growth to the things that are really important, which is, you know, this planet that we all share. And Surviving. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Surviving. Yeah. And humans are very, very ingenious. We will find ways around a lot of these things, but we're going to end up with so much, you were saying about the Marshall Islands, we're going to end up with so much land that's uninhabitable. You, know, you can worry about refugees now, but start worrying about climate change refugees and how many millions of people that might be there's a really big change coming in in how we live isn't there i think it's um got one thing to say about the uh, population increase you want to do over the next few years that that doesn't go against the good work the biosphere is 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 looking at and actually we're able to do that in a sustainable way yeah um and if we're not hitting our targets in, in terms of temperature rises etc it won't be hard to hit population increases because no. there's going to be huge displacement a displacement of people and you know. i'm actually chair of the population rebalancing committee yeah. which is, is busy looking and saying you know we don't have enough young people being born the birth rates fall and that's 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 a mature economy that's kind of what you'd expect but we're losing that working age population and you're right i think some of the recommendations that come through there which will look at that population growth but they're likely to be targeting those families and children aspects of things and and uh, we need that because we can't sustain our society if we don't have people working and, and fulfilling those roles and we'll see more automation will come through but that won't be enough and, and we'll you know, we'll end up with people having huge gaps in in health and caring services unless we can address some of this i, I guess my importance is just saying that um, with the um, area planning is that we do this in a sustainable way yeah. and, yeah, it, you know, it's not taking away um, agricultural use or, or biodiversity. And that's a really good point because while we're doing lots of good work in our biosphere, at the end of the day, when it comes up to its 10-year review, it's not the other man who determines if we keep that status. Mm. Uh, and Liverpool recently saw in a similar designation they lost their UNESCO World Heritage Site status. So we have to make sure we're looking at that 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 10-year review and making sure we are doing everything to, to maintain the, this status as a nation now. Just finally, a, a couple of things maybe. Perhaps we just whiz around the table then. Going forward... Looking forward to the uh, next year, and I know you'll all be carrying on with work along these lines, and uh, everyone around the table is very committed to the cause here. So one thing you'd like to see working in your individual area, going forward perhaps with their own projects within the biosphere, uh, what is one thing you'd like to sort of see happen in the next 12 months from your own personal viewpoint? So we start with you, David, so working with agri-environment, with the farmers, whatever, what would you really like to see happen to actually benefit the whole biosphere project over the next 12 months? So in the last 18 months, we've been looking predominantly in the lowlands. Uh, however, I think the shift uh, will now will start to look more at the uplands. So a third of the Isle of Man is upland. It's all farmed in terms of, it, it, or it's almost all farmed um, by grazing. And it would be great to work with um, corporates, uh, with government, with uh, the farms and all the people who use the hills to see if we can achieve um, something better in our uplands. And if we can get the stocking levels right and the management right on the hills, we can have the hills sequestering more carbon. They can be full of more biodiversity. It can be cleaning our drinking water and it can be reducing flooding uh, in, in the lowlands. So I think our, our hills, uh, the real kind of unsung gem of the island. Uh, and there's definitely a lot of work we can do to, to really achieve a good biosphere project up there. And ultimately, if we have the hills 
right and, and full of biodiversity, uh, then we'll get more people, um, both local residents wanting to go up there and enjoy them and, and, and getting all the benefits we know that that entails, but also for people coming to the island to, 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 to see our upland areas. Jason? Well, my focus is, is very much on um, renewable energy at the moment, mm-hmm. and um, uh, we're just going to be doing driving projects forward as quickly as we can. So we know that the solar is a great project, um, it's up and running. I think we've, um, as of this morning, we've, we've saved around about 59 cubic tonnes of CO2 already um, from when we switched it on in July, which is about, I think that's equivalent of about 170, 180 trees being planted. So that's great. But we want to add to that. So there's more PV charging points that we're putting in. Uh, we're looking at wind turbines. We want to try and get as close to being off-grid as, as we can. Um, we'll be looking at some more offsetting with planting on site and stuff like that and then how we reach out further as well into the community to show what we're doing, number one, but to um, work with the likes of the Wildlife Trust and others. Wendy, for the One World Centre, is it more still more about the education going forward and the plans over the next 12 months? Uh, I'd like to uh, ask for two things, actually. Absolutely. Just a little bit greedy. Um, on, so I would like to see... <laughs> global learning and environmental education embedded into our schools in a bit more of a structured way. It's sort of vaguely there in the curriculum at the moment, um, but I I would like to see that develop. And then generally, as we spoke earlier, I would really like to find a way where some kind of platform where we can share all these great things that are happening on the Isle of Man, uh, get them out there so people know about them and and other people feel inspired to sign up and do things as well. And finally, Rhodes. I think we need to continue with um, enhancements of our of our operating businesses um, reducing carbon in our scope two but also a big focus will be our scope three emissions so it's mostly travel um, travel to work which we've been really pushing the agenda because it's it's our highest emitting area um, so that'll be more working from home policies more free travel more pr- promotion on active travel um, we are working with the Manx wildlife Trust to get a wildlife garden on on the roof um, and we'll continue with our Woodland Trust scheme where we're, we're up to about 8,000 trees now we've planted in the island the last couple of years and 9,500 uh, globally, uh, which we fund completely and plant all of ourselves, which is great from, from our um, volunteering days and, and just being more of a community player and, and, and getting out there with multiple charities. And one more thing. Absolutely. Uh, Why not? More investments into our, uh, uh, into our sustainable um, discretionary products. Excellent. It's a fascinating topic. It's a massive topic. We've been chatting for an hour or so today and barely scratched the surface in many ways. There's so, so much more we could talk about. I know everyone's busy people. We're all busy people one way or another, so I'll uh, have to let you go for this particular podcast. Hopefully we can uh, have another Biosphere podcast in the not-too-distant uh, future and uh, pick up perhaps where we left off. So just a final thought, perhaps a sort of a yay or nay. I'm hoping that uh, it's going to be more yays and nays. I don't know. But uh, as we're speaking here in uh, at the moment in November 2022 and uh, COP27 is taking place, of course, uh, over in Egypt, which is, again, really part of the sort of much more global scale of which the whole biosphere, as we've been talking on the Isle of Man, plays into this idea of a sustainable planet, not just a sustainable Isle of Man as well, of course, and sustainable living. Looking forward, do we feel individually, do we feel positive and that and that it's not too late and we can actually do things 
or we left it too late or do you feel for the Isle of Man for sustainable living have we got enough positivity have we got enough impetus behind us to actually make a difference and hopefully in sort of if we're having this conversation in 20 30 40 years time it would be more positive David? Uh, yes, I, I'm hugely positive. The global uh, challenges are absolutely huge, but certainly at a local level here on the Isle of Man, that there's a massive amount of work we can do to make the Isle of Man a, a better place to, to live, both for, for people uh, and for wildlife. I completely agree with David. I think um, from a Zurich point of view, I'm, I'm really positive. Uh, Zurich's really behind the, the bigger green agenda um, locally on the Isle of Man. And, and I think now we're starting to see some real good momentum on the island, on the island from, mm. from government. I think things are going to start happening. So, yeah, I'm very positive. Michelle? Uh, yeah, I think we've, we've got the, the basis there. We know what we need to do. We've done the counting bit. We know where our big emissions are coming from. And, and our big priority now is to put that into action. And that, that needs to happen and it needs to happen rapidly. So that will be some difficult, some expensive decisions to take. But it's absolutely necessary to move on that. And if we can achieve that within this next uh, parliament, I, you know, I think we've, we've got a good chance. Wendy? Uh, we have to be positive. It's as simple as that. Uh, we've got to look for solutions and and create actions. Uh, I, I, I guess if we think about it at an individual level, we're not all going to be perfect all the time. But if we're all doing something, that's all going to make a difference in the long run. I think moving in the right direction. I believe the consultations for the, the different energy um, schemes at the moment I've had through the post, the solar and the wind. And, and obviously we know about the offshore drilling, I think moving in the right directions with some of these is going to uh, set us in good stead if we make the right choices. Lovely. I have to say, from a personal point of view, just the amount of talent and commitment around the table fills me with hope. I must admit, you think, if there's more people like like yourselves out uh, in the Alabama working away, then we must be, uh, must be heading in the right direction. So thank you very much indeed for spending the time to talk to us today for this uh, second Biosphere, and hopefully we can maybe uh, reconvene with a, a slightly different panel or whatever in a few months' time and uh, talk again. Thank you very much indeed. Okay. Thank you.